this morning, we're going to be talking about margin and creating margin and finding margin in your life. And if there's any elders sitting out there this morning, that was all done on purpose. Okay, so don't be calling me this week to have a talk on why you were late for your sermon. But it was done to set a point and two points. The other one we'll talk about a little bit later in the service. But how many times do we get stressed out because our schedule is so busy that we're running from place to place to place? That we have to get our kids to school, we have to pick them up from school, we have to get them to soccer practice, we have to get back to here. And, and it's just like, man, we're, we're running on empty. And, you know, it, it's one of those things, oh no, I'm five minutes late for this. You know, I waited out there, I think it was 30 seconds, maybe 40. I know to you guys, it probably seemed like it was about five minutes Maybe some of you were timing and saying, well, is, is, he, is this like college? If, if he doesn't show up after like five minutes, can we leave? You know, those, and I used to do that. It's like, okay, is, is this guy a doctor or just a professor? Because there's different times. And if he's not here in ten minutes, you know, we're all like in nine minutes. They can walk. Oh, we have to stay. So I don't, I don't know what you were thinking this morning. But... You know, that's where we're at. And over these these next few weeks, we're going to be talking about margin and and what that is in your life and and why you need to have it. Um, A great definition that I came across was actually by a man named Andy Stanley. He's a pastor of a church down in the Atlanta area. And he preached a sermon a while back, um, well, a series that was called Take It to the Limit. And, And his definition... That, that he came up with on margin is the amount available beyond what is necessary. Okay? The amount available beyond what is necessary. And, and that's what we're going to be looking at. You know, if, if you can put that in other terms, say you live 10 minutes away from your doctors that you need to go to, and so you leave 20 minutes before. So that gives you 10 minutes of margin. Okay? You have $100 in your pocket. You have a bill that costs you $80, so you have $20 of margin. So, so that's that amount available beyond what is necessary. But I think nowadays, to us, everything is necessary. We've gotten built into this from the media, from the world, from the culture that we live in. That, you know what, I have to be doing this, I have to be doing this, I have to be buying this, I have to be spending time doing this. And all of a sudden, there isn't what we feel anything available beyond what's necessary. And, and we're looking and saying, everything I do in my life, every item that I pay money for, everything is absolutely necessary. And there's no margin. And so that's why we're going to spend some time looking at what this really is and why we need to have it in our life. This morning I'm coming at it. Yes, we will be talking about the spiritual side of of all of it these next few weeks, but I'm coming at it from, from that 
Next week, we'll be talking about margin in, in your scheduling, kind of in your time. Then we'll be talking about margin in your moral life, in your marriage. And then finally, we'll be talking about margin in your finances and what that means. And those last three areas are all parts of our, of our life. But I think so many times we say, you know what, I need to have margin in those areas. And, and then when I have all of that together, that I can walk into church and then get my relationship right with Christ. We think we have to have everything else together. And that's totally backwards. Because it starts with your relationship with Christ. That's where everything should begin. That should be the priority. And then these rest of the the things in your life that we're going to be talking about these next few weeks, those come next. But I, I think so many times we feel, you know what, I have to have everything right in my marriage. Then I can approach God. And, you know, I hate to break it to you, but... Everyone in here, including me, we're all sinners. And, and we're not perfect. And we need to come to Christ first before we can take care of those other things. And hopefully you have heard that, and, I, and you're going to hear it again later, but as myself and, and the other pastors here, as we've done these series, as we've talked over the last few months, it all comes back to the first thing is your relationship with Christ. The very first thing. But yet, in this world, we tend to get, you know what, I have to be busy. I have to be doing something. Because that's what the world tells me. If I'm not doing something, I'm not successful. If I'm not doing something, I'm not part of the in crowd. But we see in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it states that, just the beginning of that verse, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. God calls us out. If you truly are a follower of Him, if you truly have a relationship with Jesus Christ, basically He's saying, you know what, don't conform to the patterns of this world. You, as a follower of Me, need to look different. And part of that looking different comes in this whole area of margin in this whole area of where do I find that amount available beyond what is necessary? Why is that so important? And that's what we're going to look at this morning. The scripture that Joshua read from Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42, tells a story of when Jesus was traveling with his disciples. They stopped in a town, and a woman named Martha opened up her home to them. And so they were there, and as the scripture goes, it says, she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. Okay. Martha, being had opened her home, she's running around getting everything ready. Because she wants to prepare a meal for, you know, here's this great teacher, here's Jesus, and his disciples. You know, I want to have a meal prepared for them. So she's running around and, and trying to get everything ready so this meal is, is perfect. And she gets frustrated. And it says in verse 40, 
you know, Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. So she came to Jesus and basically asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Okay. I can imagine the scene that there's Mary sitting at Jesus' feet and Martha's walking, doing stuff, and every time she passed that room, she'd be, <sighs> you know, and she'd go do some other things. <sighs> you know, and finally she got to the point, I'm just going in there and saying something. You know, because enough is enough. She's supposed to be helping me get this meal ready for Jesus. And there's a great example in the story of what happens when your margin decreases. Because Martha's margin had decreased because she was busy. She was distracted. She had, you know what, I have all these things to get ready. And was it necessarily bad? No, she was preparing a meal. But she was busy. She was distracted. And when she got to the point where her margin decreased, two things happened when your margins decrease. The first one is your stress increases. And that story was Martha's stress up? Yeah, definitely. You know, in her mind, she's thinking, you know what, I have this meal to prepare. I want everything to be right. And here's my sister sitting there on her rear end doing nothing. And my stress is going up because I need to get things done. And you can see that in your own life when you get busy, when there's no margin, in whatever area, in the areas that we're going to be talking about, in finances, in different things. When, when there's no margin there, your stress level will go up. I know mine does. You know, when all of a sudden you're looking at, I have this, I have this on my plate, I have this on my plate. And, and if you start to lose that margin, if you forget about creating that, your stress level is going to increase. And you see that the second thing that happens is that your relational intimacy decreases when you lose those margins. And just from that example, from the story that we're looking at this morning, was Martha very happy with Mary? No. Was In, in Martha's eyes, was her relationship probably strained with Mary at that point? Yeah. Because... She, Mary should have been helping her. And so now she's mad at Mary because Mary's not helping her to the point where she went in and said, tell her to help me. You know, tell her to quit sitting there and come help me. And that puts a strain on relationships when you don't have that margin there, when that margin decreases. And now you flip that around and you look at our spiritual walk with Christ. And when you're not creating that time for Him, when you're not creating those margins to have Him in your life, is your stress going to increase? Yes. Is your relational intimacy with God going to decrease? Yes, because you're not creating that time for him. You're not creating that space for him. And that's why it's so important to start first with this whole idea of, you know what, the top priority, the thing that needs to be most important in my life, the thing that I need to be creating margins for, 
to my relationship with Jesus Christ. And yet, we let other items get in there. Our jobs, TV shows, you know, whatever. And they may not, again, they may not necessarily be bad things. But they cause us to miss the most important thing. They keep us so busy that we miss the God who is right in front of us saying, just come and sit for a while and learn from me. And that's what totally happened in this story. When you look at Martha, you know, when you think about it, you have the Son of God in your house and his disciples. And you're face to face with the Son of God. You could ask him anything, talk to him about anything. But she was more concerned about preparing him. And was distracted by something that wasn't bad, but it was the busyness. She didn't create that space. All she was worried about was, I want to get this done and have it out of the way. Um, maybe sometime, oh, uh, another time, maybe later, I'll get to spend time with him. Or maybe she wasn't thinking that at all. I don't know. But it's one of those things where, you know, I'll push it to later. Right now, I have to do this. And so finally she gets to the point and says, you know what, Jesus? Tell my sister to come and help me. Because I'm doing something for you. I'm preparing a meal for you. And she needs to come and help me so it gets done. And what does Jesus say? He says, Martha... You're worried and you're upset about so many things. But only one thing is needed. You know, so many times we get so wrapped up in the busyness and we worry about what's going to happen next, what's going to happen next, what's going to happen next. And Jesus is saying, you know what? That's the way this world thinks. You're not supposed to be of the world. You're not supposed to think of the world. Mary chose this one thing. And it's that only one thing that's needed is to sit at his feet. And he went on to say, Mary has chosen what is better. You know, he didn't say Mary's chosen what is good, meaning that what Martha was doing was bad. He said, Mary has chosen what is better. And there's times in our life where we're looking and we're saying, you know what, I feel this is necessary in my life. And I feel this is necessary in my life. And they may not be bad things, but what they're doing is keeping you from having that relationship with God. And God is saying, you know what, you need to choose what is better. And that may mean one of these things. What you think is necessary, in my book, in God's book, isn't necessary. And it needs dropped so you can do what is necessary. And that's what we see in this story. And Jesus says, you know what? She chose that. She chose what is better. And I'm not going to take that away from her. Because she's spending that time with me. She chose what is better. She chose to have that relationship with me. She chose to sit at my feet and to listen. And some of you I know may be sitting here and saying, I just don't have time. Or you know what? I'm not good enough to sit at Jesus' feet. There's no way. 
I've done too many things. You don't know where I've come from. He wouldn't want me at his feet. Well, look at the story. If you look at the culture of that day, should a woman even have been sitting at Jesus' feet being discipled? No. That was their culture. She was to be doing what Martha was doing, preparing the meal. But Christ allowed her to sit there as one of his disciples and say, I just want to minister to you. And if anything you should take from that is that it doesn't matter who you are. Christ is saying, come to my feet, just spend time with me. You need to create that margin for me. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done. I'm here for you. And I want you to be one of my followers. And one of my... What a great picture that is. So you don't have an excuse to say, I'm not good enough. Or I've done this, or I've done that. Because Christ is basically saying, that does not matter. I can forgive anything. I want you to take this time with me. I want you to have a relationship with me. Now, why is it important to have that margin? Why is it important to have amounts available beyond what is necessary? One of the key things is if you don't have that, no margin basically equals no growth. If you don't have that time for God in your spiritual life, there's going to be no time to grow in your spiritual life. And as you see through these next few weeks, if you don't have those margins in other areas in your life, you're not going to grow in those areas. You're not going to see good things happen in your finances, in your marriage in your time scheduling. But it all needs to start here first with your relationship with Christ. And what does it mean? Why is it important to start looking at our lives and saying, you know what, I need to make things count more. Let me read you a few scriptures. First one is Job 14.5, and here's what it says. It says, Man's days are determined. You have decreed the number of his months and have set limits he cannot exceed. Let me read that to you again. Man's days are determined. You have decreed the number of his months and have set limits he cannot exceed. So you see right there in that verse, God has our lives planned out. He knows how long we're going to be here on this earth. Yet I think so many times we try to change that. You watch TV and there's advertisements. If you exercise, if you do this and this, then it will extend your life by two years. If you take this pill, it will extend your life by five years. And, you know, and we look at all of that. When it gets down to it, what you need to know and what you need to realize is that basically God has decreed the number of your months. And it's a limit that you cannot exceed. God knows how long we have on this earth. And he has set that, and he's the one who's decreed that. But you go on to Psalm 90, verse 12, and it says, Teach us to number our days aright, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. So there, though, we can't just sit back and say, You know what? I'm not going to do anything. God is calling us out to say, We need to number our days. We need to live them in a certain way. And as I was preparing for the sermon, I, I read um, an article that had a, a story in it that, that I thought was good to a certain extent. Because at first I thought, oh man, this is really, really cool. 
it's a, it's a, a cool story. And it was about a gentleman who was uh, 55 years old. And he was talking to a younger fellow, and, and the younger guy was basically, you know, working two or three jobs, not spending much time with his family, trying to be successful, make a living. You know, the, the whole, I want to do this so that my family can have this. But in the end, six days a week, he wasn't even with his family. And this older gentleman said, said when I was, he actually, he was older. Sorry, he was 75 at the time of sharing this. He goes, when I was 55... It hit me that, you know, I would just on Saturdays work in the yard, work around the garage, not spend any time with my family, with my wife, those kind of things. And I decided to do a little study. And he said, I looked at the average person lives to about 75. And he said, so I figured out that gave me a little over from 55 to 70, a little over a thousand Saturdays left in my life. And so he went out to the toy stores and found a thousand marbles and put them in a clear jar beside his bed. And he decided, you know what, every Saturday I get up, I'm going to take my wife to breakfast, I'm going to spend time with my kids when I can, and and make that a priority. But each Saturday he took a marble out of that jar. And he said, to me, watching that go down made me realize how important it is to number my days and to do what I'm, you know, to do the things, make different priorities. And to him, his priority was his family. And, and, he, and he told the gentleman, he said, this morning, I took out that last marble out of my jar. He goes, after I'm done talking to you, I'm going to go take my wife out to breakfast. And then anything after this is extra. And I thought, you know, what an amazing story of how he took priority and he numbered his days and, and that type of thing. And, and I thought, that's a great example. At first I thought, I'm going to run out and get a thousand marbles and have them up here on the platform. And, and show, but then I was thinking about it, and going back to the verse we just read out of Job, that man's days are determined and you have decreed the number of his months and have set limits he cannot succeed, exceed. When you put that in conjunction with that, no matter how good of an example that was, You know, he was living from Saturday to Saturday and saying this is how much time he has. In reality, you don't know that. God has determined different amounts of time for each one of us. And in reality, instead of making each Saturday count, we need to be saying, you know what, I need to create margin in my life for every day. And and make every day count. Because in reality, you set how long I'm here. And I need to make sure I'm living for you each day. So is it a good idea maybe to take a, a jar of marble? You know, maybe, I don't know. Maybe do a year, and that's why you're pulling out one each day and saying, okay, ha- have I lived this day for Christ? Am I creating that margin? Another verse comes from Ephesians chapter 5, and it says this, Be very careful in how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. So you see there in those verses too, it's, it's we're to live wise, not as unwise. We're to make the most of every opportunity and to follow God's will. And a lot of you may be sitting here and saying, you know what, well, what is God's will? 
I, I want to know what God's will is for my life. And I think so many times we, we struggle and we try so hard to figure out what God's will is. And to me, almost all of what God's will is for your life is right here. The only things you're not going to find in here are who you're going to marry, where you're going to go to college, those kind of decisions, but God can still direct you. But as far as what you're supposed to be doing with your life, it's right here. You need to be reading this. You need to be into this. And that's how you find out what God's will is. So what's our first step in creating margin? The simple thing is spending time with Jesus. It's simple, but it's difficult because, again, we go back to it's so hard because we're busy. We've created no margin in our lives. And we're jumping from one thing to the other. But if you want that margin and you want it to start in your life with Christ, then you need to just spend time with him. In Matthew chapter 11, it says this, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Christ there is saying, if you come to me, you're so busy. If you just come and sit, you're going to find rest. And, and what a great picture is he saying, I'm gentle. I'm not someone that when you come to me, I'm going to say, you know what? You've been messing up. You haven't been doing the right thing. Let me smack you around a little bit, and then we'll get back on the right course. He says, Come. Rest. Because that's what you need. Psalm 46, verse 10 says, Be still and know that I am God. How many of us take the time just to be still? You guys kind of got that opportunity this morning before I came out. And it was very awkward, wasn't it? It was about 40 seconds. I was timing it in the back. I was going to go a minute. Um, but then I thought you guys really would get up and leave. Um, but it was about 40 seconds of, of silence. And it's... Did you guys like that? No. Maybe some of you did. But yeah, 40 seconds of not hearing anyone. But... You know, it, it's one of those things, we're so ingrained that to be hearing something, to be doing something, that all of a sudden, okay, we're sitting here and it's quiet. What's going on? There's something wrong. You know, I was talking to some people after the first service, some were like, well, we knew you were preaching, so we figured something was probably up. You know, others were like, you know, everyone was starting to squirm, we didn't know what was going on. And, and it's, we, we just get uncomfortable because we're, we're taught to not be still. We're taught to not be quiet. But yet, if you go back to Romans 2, we're not supposed to conform to the patterns of this world. And then you read in Psalms 46 that you're supposed to be still and know who God is. 
And it's a discipline. It's something that we need to work at. But if you want to truly create those margins in your life and have that relationship with God grow, you need to do it. One of the things that I appreciate about ministering here is after we're here for so many years, the elders say, we want you to take a sabbatical for a month. And it's not just a vacation, it's we have prepared things that we do, and we present, here's what we would like to, to do over this month. And uh, I was at the point where, I was at that where I didn't have many margins. And, and so one of the things I knew was I just wanted to spend some ex- extended time. Um, I, I had gotten some things from a, a fellow pastor that would just lead me through prayer, lead me through stillness, those types of things. And I was like, this is what I'm going to do for, for part of it. And I remember that first day, it's like, okay, here we go. I'm going to start just at a place by myself. And it was like after a minute, you know, I'm starting to think about other stuff. And so, so I did some other things, and it's like, okay, I need to get back to this. And it was another minute, and I got back into other things. And, you know, you start thinking, okay, I'm just not used to sitting still. And... Then for me, I made the mistake, but in the end, it wasn't a mistake. I said, well, maybe it will help if I lay down. (laughs) Maybe I can be still then. So it was about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, I laid down, and I woke up at 6. And and it was one of those things where I woke up, and at first, oh, man, I just wait. But then I was like, you know what, I I needed to just rest, because I hadn't been doing that. So... You know, there are good times to take a nap, and that's what I needed at that point. But then I was able, after that, I I was able to sit there and to just concentrate and and just to be still and just to be quiet and not worry about anything else. And it was after a few minutes, all of a sudden, it was just one of those things where, you know what, all of a sudden, I'm in God's presence. And this is an incredible thing. And I'll be honest with you, that was an incredible thing. And yes, do I do it every day? No. Why not? Because it was incredible and I should be doing it. Because we lose these margins. And it's something we need to work at. It's a discipline, just like you discipline yourself to exercise or to eat right or to get up at this time in the morning. That stillness with God, being quiet with Him, is a discipline that you have to do, and it's something that I'm working on as well. And it goes beyond having that devotional time where you're in His Word and where you're praying. This is a time just to be quiet, just to be still. Because some of you may be saying, well, I do my devotions. I spend time in God's Word. I pray to Him. Do you just sit there? Do you just wait to hear His voice? And that's what I'm talking about. That's one of the margins that we need, that if you want to be able to find yourself growing, is taking that time just to be still. Quiet. And that's where the discipline comes in, and that's where it's tough, and that's where you have to say, you know what? When I'm looking at everything I feel is necessary in my life, is all of this truly necessary? Mary knew preparing a meal was necessary. 
but she also knew, you know what, this may be the only opportunity that Jesus is in our home. And I'd rather run around real quick and maybe throw something together later. But I would rather spend this time with Christ right now and sit at his feet and hear from him and take that time. The choices we need to make. What's necessary? What is really necessary? If you have no time for Christ in your life, and there's some things going on in your life that are not necessary. And it's sad because it seems like when we get busy, what's the first thing to go? Is our relationship with Christ. Or it gets reduced to, you wake up in the morning, man, i got to get out the door, dear Lord, give me a good day. Is that spending time with Him? Or you remember halfway through the day, and it's, dear Lord, give me a good half a day. You know? Um, or as you're falling asleep, you say a prayer to him. And you say, you know, I'm really religious because I fall asleep praying to God. I don't know if it really works that way. Sorry. I mean, it can, but it has to be more than just, dear Lord, thank you. You're out. I, I think you get the picture. That... Getting to that point, that definition of margin, the amount available beyond what is necessary, is that there needs to be space for Christ in your life. And you need to be disciplined at creating it. And it has to be some of that to the point where you're just still and you're just listening for his voice. So here's my challenge to you guys this morning. Is that I'm going to challenge you this next week that every day you spend five minutes a day silent before God. Five minutes isn't a magic number. Okay, um, I just picked that thinking here's a good starting place if you're not doing this. If you're already doing this and you're like, you know what I'm at? Like, I, I sit in silence for a half hour. Don't reduce it back to five minutes because I said so. Okay, um, But if you're not doing this at all, Find a time and just say, you know what? I'm going to sit and just be still before God. This isn't a prayer time as far as asking Him for requests. It's just being silent, just sitting down. And it may be work. And I want it to try be five complete minutes, which means... Like if you're me, the first time where I went for a minute and then started doing other things, well, I've got to start all over. That doesn't count that you're down to four minutes now. Okay? And you may find maybe the first day you sit there for five minutes, complete silence, just trying to, and you know what? Nothing happened. That's fine. But if you keep doing that, I don't think God's not going to show up. He will show up. And I've heard from other people who have made this, in our congregation, who have made this a part of their lives, that have started to say, you know what, I'm going to take this time and just, you know, however, 10 minutes a day, be silent, whatever it is, and they'll say, this has changed me. It just has changed me because all of a sudden I'm in God's presence for 10 minutes. Not doing anything else. 
It's changed me. That as I walk through the rest of the day, I feel that he's with me and I'm doing more for him. But those 10 minutes, I'm just sitting there and it's an incredible, incredible experience. So this morning, I encourage you guys, take this, try it. Find that time because we need those margins. If you want to grow in your walk with God, you need to create that time to spend with him. Just spending time with Jesus. Will you pray with me? Father, I come before you. And I thank you for this time together. I, I thank you for your word. I thank you for examples like Mary and Martha who can just show us that here's the most important thing. I pray for us that in the busyness, we would see the reality that you are the most important thing, that you should be the priority, that you should be the one that is necessary, that we can create this time to spend with you and just be still before you and to know that you are our God and that you will supply all of our needs. We pray that as we close and as we will stand in a moment to sing again better on one this one day in your courts, make that the, the prayer of our hearts this morning, Lord. Are we truly to the point where we can say, you know what, I would rather spend one day with God than a thousand anywhere else in this world? Because that is the better thing to do. We ask this all in Jesus' precious name. Amen.